0: It is a Saturday, it is a fight day, which means Will Brewer is with me today. Will, fight day, UFC 265, pay-per-view tonight. Derek Lewis, surreal gone, for an interim heavyweight title. Uh, You know, thoughts on on the interim title and all that aside, this is a really good card with exciting matchups. We've got a review last week, but man, there is just something about fight day and talking about MMA on fight day.
1: Yeah, I'm excited, man. Just, uh, there's a title on the line. It's the interim title. That's fine and everything, but you still got two scary heavyweights going in there. Uh, you got one who's, uh, the greatest knockout artist, uh, probably in the entire sport, uh, on the short list maybe. And then you got a guy who's just, uh, ran through this heavyweight division who has looked like he just can't be hit. Very skilled. Uh, very loud on his feet. Uh, just the matchups, it's very intriguing. I'm so excited for this entire card from start to finish. I feel like we say that a lot, but from start to finish, this is going to be a great night of fights.
0: We uh, we also have to look back at last week. Uh, we talked about it last week. It wasn't necessarily, I think, a super hyped card uh, because there weren't a ton of big names involved. There weren't a ton of, I, I think, just known commodities uh, for casual fans, but it was a sneaky good card, as, as we like to say, and it absolutely delivered. We will review that. Uh, Bellator showed up in a big way last Saturday night. How about the fact that those two were going head-to-head for a period of time? And certainly it was a great thing for me to be able to dedicate all of my attention on uh, the Bellator main event with uh, the UFC ending first uh, so I was I, I I'm glad that they were able to stagger those things, and I wasn't trying to watch two fights at the same time. Uh, we also have some big news inside the UFC as far as matchmaking, but uh, man, what is uh, what's the headline for you today?
1: I don't man, there's there's a lot to to talk about. I guess um, I, I guess of course uh, I got to start with my man John Jones. Uh, hearing that him and Stipe, when you told me that, I was like what like where did that even come from but yeah um John Jones and uh Stipe Miocic if that fight is able to come together that's probably that's probably the best uh, matchup in heavyweight history
0: yeah i mean it's it's crazy to think that uh, John Jones and Stipe look neither one of those guys are necessarily what i would say at their peak but both of those guys are still, I mean, top five in in the division without a doubt. So um, I think sometimes you have these matchups that you dream about and it it, it gets made way after it should. Uh, and again, I mean, maybe one of these guys is able to ascend and, and become a champion once again. But um, I, I think it's fair to say, for me at least, uh, I, I don't think either guy is at the mountaintop. But they're not far from it, uh, which is a good thing. So if this thing happens... Sometime in 2021 or early 2022, I think we're going to get a treat. Um, Let's also throw out the idea that there's there's a reason why this hasn't been widely reported. And I think the big reason for that is, you know, obviously John Jones wants to get paid X amount of dollars to fight in a main event against a big opponent for the UFC. And there's a reason why the Nganu-John Jones fight hasn't taken place yet. The news is that these guys have agreed to fight each other, but again, getting that on paper and done on a contract is a completely different conversation. I was joking with you before we started recording. Like, I'll go fight Derek Lewis. Like, I like we can we can break the news right now that Colby Daniels has agreed to fight Derek Lewis. I mean, you have to pay me a certain amount of money, though. I'm not going to go do it for like 50 grand. Uh, you're going to have to pay me a boatload of money, like back up the trucks, plural for me to fight Derek Lewis, but, like, there's a price for everything. So this idea that, like, they've agreed to fight, sure, that that sounds nice, but, like, how serious are they as far as getting this done, and is this something that uh, might get done with any sort of reasonable expectation?
1: Yeah, look, I'm a, as you know, I'm a big John Jones fan, but when it comes to him... If if it's not, okay, John Jones is fighting Stipe Miocic at UFC uh, 272 or something like that. Contracts are signed, sealed, and delivered, and and everything. If it's not that, I don't believe it's happening with John Jones. Like, there's just so much that you just have to uh, take into consideration when it comes to how much he wants to get paid, or, uh, you know, there's just always something going on with him. You know, of course, he's got the the history with the drugs and stuff. Uh, He's got uh the, the history of just not accepting these fights or whatever the case may be it's just until you get that sign sealed and delivered the date and everything I don't believe it, it that it's happening so I'm not gonna get my hopes up I should say yeah um I would love to see that fight but there's just a whole lot of hoops and everything that you have to get through in right. order for John Jones to get out there especially now that he's taken on these heavyweights where he knows like these guys are more powerful than anyone that I've ever fought before. So, as skilled as I am, one shot could put me out. So, I'm sure that's why he's really wanting to to have these big paydays now. Because if he gets knocked out, I mean, what what other paydays is he gonna get? So, yeah. um, I, I I mean, of course, do what you gotta do for yourself. Uh, do what you gotta do. What you feel you deserve. But um, until uh, it's signed, sealed, and delivered, I I can't get my hopes up.
0: Yeah. Um, he tweeted three days ago, champion 2022, uh, which would mean in my mind, you got to get a fight in first. So either you're fighting at the end of 2021, and then we're talking about a title match in 2022, or it's very early in 2022. And you're hoping to get a title match in by the end of next year. Uh, in either case, it's crazy to me. I feel like it's been, a century since John Jones fought Dominic Reyes. Like it feels like that was so long ago. And look, I, I think like for me, there's also this this like time separator that's like pre COVID and post COVID. And I feel like anything that happened pre COVID was like another lifetime ago, but it was only February of last year that he was inside the octagon, although it feels like yeah. five years. So um, I, I, I hope for the sake of all MMA fans, for John Jones fans that we're able to get this thing done that, uh, you know, arguably the greatest MMA fighter of all time is able to face the greatest current heavyweight of all time um and look that 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 maybe maybe Francis Ngannou knocks out his next five opponents and and takes that crown but as it stands right now Stipe Miocic is the most decorated heavyweight champion of all time in UFC history so what a fight that would be
1: yeah that would be a crazy fight I think uh right now at this point both of these guys deserve a title shot but with, it's, there's kind of like a logjam there at the top. Like, you got these young guys who are coming up, like the surreal Gons. You got uh, Derek Lewis, who's won so many in a row. You got the champion, who's not fighting right now. Uh, and then you got Stipe and John. John was promised the next title shot, and Stipe, the most decorated heavyweight of all time, definitely deserves it. So now you're just looking at a point where, yeah, if you don't want to wait so long to just get in there and fight. Like that makes a ton of sense for Stipe and John to fight at this point. Yeah. Um, and like you said, just the the billing of it, the greatest of all time versus the greatest heavyweight of all time. Uh, you know, I think they've been on a collision course to fight for a while. Uh, just John Jones never made the decision to jump up like it could have easily been John Jones who went up and fought Stipe instead of D.C., Yep. So, um, I, yeah, I think they've been on cleaners, course, for a long time. And just the styles of it, man, uh, same size. Uh, John's got a little bit more of a reach, but Stipe can uh, – can he's pretty good everywhere. So um, I think if John really wants to test himself, um, Stipe is the guy to do it against. Um, of course, fighting a guy like Francis, you know, he's big with the, yeah. with the, with the knockouts and stuff. But Stipe is very skilled, and he could uh, – he could probably hang with John in, uh, in other areas where a lot of these heavyweights can't. So um, it would be a very intriguing matchup.
0: Is it fair to say that over the last five years, the heavyweight division has been somewhat stale?
1: Yes, absolutely. It's It's been stale. And I think D.C. going up just gave it some life because right. um, Stipe was kind of, I mean, he was fighting some of the the legends of the sport. But they, you could tell that they were on their last legs. And uh, Stipe did his job and he was kind of running through them. And then you bring a fresh matchup like uh, with a guy like D.C. who had come off that rivalry with John, who had a name and uh, had fans under him and, and everything. So um, you have a trilogy with those guys, and that kind of brings the heavyweight division up to up to light a little bit. Uh, and now the the, the heavyweight division has got uh, a lot of new blood, young blood um, coming in, and then you bring a guy like John Jones into it. Then you uh, have uh, Francis Ngannou as the champion, Yeah. so uh, yeah, the heavyweight division has been stale, but now it's starting to move in the right direction. There's just like a log jam up right. there right now, but um, it's exciting still.
0: I, Stipe, I think, believes that he deserves the immediate rematch with Francis Ngannou, and I, I certainly understand that perspective. He beat Francis the first time. Francis then beats him the second time. So, you know, naturally you think trilogy. And look, I think if this had been two years earlier... That's the right. obvious fight to make, but again, because all of a sudden, you know, two years ago, nobody even knew who Cirigliano was. Now he's right. a heavyweight contender. Um, you know, two years ago, Francis Ngannou had just suffered back-to-back losses. Uh, right. I, I just, it, you know, two years ago, John Jones wasn't even in the division. I, I think it was just a completely different complexion as far as the heavyweights, and there weren't other options as far as like. Right. I mean, they they kind of just had to do the DC Stipe trilogy like over and, you know, they just had to keep making those fights because there weren't as many options. And right now there are a lot of options, a lot of different ways they can take this thing. And, you know, we, we basically have five guys that can sell a main event right now in the heavyweight division. Francis Ngannou is the champion. We're about to watch two of them tonight with Derek Lewis and Cyril Gon and then John Jones and Stipe Miocic. It, it, it. It's a lot of fun to watch the heavyweight division right now have this many quality guys at the very top. And it's a good problem to have when Stipe Miocic, the most decorated heavyweight champion of all time, can't get an immediate rematch when he loses his belt because there are so many options. I mean, that's a good problem to have.
1: Yeah, it's a great problem to have. And like you said, a couple years ago, um, when Stipe and DC were just going back and forth, like, what other option was there? Like, you, you were waiting for another contender to come up, like... You had like the Alexander Volkovs and the Derek Lewises and stuff, but they were losing fights and stuff. So you didn't really have anyone who had just um, a lot of attention on their on their back outside of Stipe and DC. So yeah. each time that they would fight and go back and forth, it just made the most sense. But see now, you can argue like Ghan makes sense, Stipe Miocic makes sense, John Jones makes sense, Derek Lewis makes sense. There's so many guys that you could sell a, a very quality main event on and. You know the heavyweight division is supposed to be the best uh, division in all the sports. It's got all all the attention and everything. But in the UFC, it hasn't been that way. But I feel like now we're starting to we're starting to see it. Like especially with Francis as the champion, right? And then you got the guys who are chasing him, uh, the the scary knockout artist that's in there, and then of course uh, the the talented guys like the surreal guys and the John Jones, and, and then yeah. It's, it's a very great problem to have for sure.
0: Uh, before we rewind to last week and we'll hit Bellator as well, especially the main event, uh, yesterday I'm watching the ceremonial weigh-ins. I'm watching Michael Chandler on set with DC and, and Laura Sanko and Dan Helley, which I, I love that group. I, I think that they are tremendous. Like they're entertaining. It's, it's fun. Uh, it's well put together. Um, I enjoy that, that whole like weigh-in show that they do. Um, Michael Chandler's on set and they interview Justin Gaethje. We spent probably 10 minutes last week talking about Justin Gaethje, Michael Chandler, what that matchup looks like. I think like of all the all the fights that are going to take place this year, this is a top 5 for me, maybe top 3. Like I'm I'm geeked to watch Gaethje Chandler fight and they certainly sold it yesterday i mean justin gaethje basically just said like i'm excited to fight somebody i don't like i don't like this guy he said i don't have any reason not to like him it's just something about his face i want to punch him (laughs) in the face and uh i think michael chandler uh kind of uh enjoyed hearing that as well like what an awesome fight
1: yeah it's one of those fights for me where they don't really have to do a lot of talking like uh no matter what they say like they could be in a press conference, and it could be the most boring uh, 15 minutes that I've ever seen. But I know that once they get into that octagon, that I'm going to be entertained from start to finish, no matter how long it lasts. So, um, I mean, I enjoyed the interview. I thought it was funny, uh, all the stuff that they were saying back and forth. You know, Michael Chandler, I feel like he really enjoyed hearing Gagey talk all the noise that he was talking and stuff. But, you know, I it felt like they both knew, like, there's not much to say. Um, right we know like what's coming. uh, And uh, these are, these are two guys who go out there and bring it. They put, they give their all out there uh, to, to bring the most violent fight to the fans. And that's exactly what I think we're going to see. I couldn't be more excited for this one.
0: Yeah. I think there's a, a certain amount of respect from both of those guys, as far as what the other brings to the table and the violence that the other is going to, to, you know, bring to each of their styles. Like, Holy cow, there's no way that's a terrible fight. Like, that is going to be one of the best fights of the year. Like, as soon as that fight was announced, I I quote tweeted, fight of the year candidate, immediately. Like, I haven't even seen the fight yet. It hasn't even been made. Like, they've not even, you know, they're starting. They, the thing was just announced. I don't care. That is going to be a fight of the year candidate. There is no way it's not.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a fight of the year for sure. Um, I mean, of course, we know, like, there's some of these fights that get announced and you're just like, oh, this is going to be a great fight and then it doesn't deliver. I guarantee uh, I will put money that this fight will deliver yeah. as long as it's as long as it lasts. I hope it's a five round like co-main event. I feel like this fight deserves five rounds, even though it may not last five rounds. But what if you, what if it did go 23 minutes and then there's a knockout at the very end? Like, I mean, for me, this fight is so exciting. Uh and I don't I just don't feel like neither one of these guys will take a backward step. I don't no. feel like there's going to be any feeling out process really. If there is, there may be like it may be in the first 30 to 45 seconds and then we'll see just chaos from there. Um I don't really feel like there's just going to be a lot of sell, settling into the fight. I just feel like these guys are just going to go out there and just bang it out, man.
0: Yeah. And you know Gaethje talked a lot about, you know, just being excited to be back in a, an arena full of people. I do feel like he's one of those guys that absolutely thrives on that sort of energy. I mean, he's just, you know, and I mean this with all respect, he's he's a madman. And yep. uh, when you put him, you know, I think he said several times, like, he loves the chaos of a fight with fans in the building. And when you put him in that situation, it just kind of feels like that's where he's most comfortable. And, uh, man, I, I cannot wait to watch both of those guys go forward and just see what, what sort of explosion happens when they meet in the octagon. I don't even know that it needs five rounds, honestly. Like my expectation is that you only need to give it three rounds and let those guys just assert themselves from the opening bell. And, uh, You know, if 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 a knockout happens the first 10 minutes, so be it. Uh, But like there's no way this is not going to be fun in some way. Like maybe it's a quick knockout. Maybe it's just an all out war for 15 minutes. But either way, like it's it's not going to be boring. So I'm excited for that. Hey, let's uh, let's hit real quick uh, before we review last week's UFC card where we made our picks. The main event of Bellator last Saturday night, Will Brewer. Uh, AJ McKee certainly was a guy that uh, was elevating his star power. But, uh, I mean, to, to say that he was a star, uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think maybe hardcore fans w- might argue that. But, you know, he, he certainly wasn't at the level of Patricio Pitbull. Uh, holy cow, what a performance A. Like, I was absolutely stunned to see the fight go the way that it did. Uh, but B this guy, it it just feels like has in, in one night become larger than life.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, I was blown away by that performance, man. Uh, AJ McKee, uh, he had all, he has all the makings of a star, but just to go out there and actually perform like that, um, taking a guy who is a, a two division champion and just, and just, making quick work of him. I I don't remember how long the fight lasted, but I believe it was under two minutes. So to do that to a man who is a legend of Bellator to take him out like that, uh, winning $1 million, uh, becoming the world champion of Bellator, like, uh, man, AJ McKee, uh, he's going to be a problem going forward. Uh, I don't see, uh, I don't really see what else is, is there for him at Bellator to be quite honest with you. I mean, he's made, he's made his money, uh, he's made a million dollars. He's uh, won the championship. He's beating the best guy there. I mean, at this point, go ahead and come over to the UFC and uh, fight some of these guys. Like, the potential matchups that uh, AJ McKee can have in the UFC is crazy. I think he's just uh, a step above all of those guys uh, at Bellator, and he's proved it, man. Undefeated. Um, he's beating these guys in so many different ways uh, on the ground with his submissions. Uh his unorthodox striking, uh, I mean, he's got it all, man. He's got it all.
0: Uh, I think he has like a year left on his contract. If I, I, you know, there was a lot of conversation about this over the course of the last week, and and I I believe I remember hearing that it's somewhere around a year. Um, I'll tell you what makes a lot of sense for him is to fight Pitbull again at 155 because Pitbull was a champ champ, 145 champ, 155 champ, do the rematch, which would be, a—I mean, everybody would love to see it again at, right. at, for another belt in a different weight class. Do that. You capitalize on that. And look, he called out all of the best 145ers in the UFC following his win, right? He called out Max. He called out Volkanovsky. He called out Brian Ortega. Like he he wants to fight the very best at 145 in the world if you're going to have to fight at least again or, I mean, sit out for a year, uh, I, I don't necessarily, I, I hope he doesn't do that. But, um, I mean, you you step up in weight class, you lose to Pitbull at 155. I don't think that necessarily, like, slows uh, the excitement of A.J. McKee. But if you win, I mean, you you uh, obviously um, replace the, the goat of Bellator in Pitbull as a two-division champ, and then you're able to, naturally make that move I think a lot like Michael Chandler did and immediately get top guys in the UFC and and I mean make your presence felt out of the gate so man what a what a crazy first like you said like two minutes that was I completely unexpected I thought that was going to be a really good fight uh but I mean to to say that I in any way expected AJ McKee to to win by first round stoppage I no way no way
1: it, it just felt to me like there was going to be a changing of the guard like you could just you could just feel it uh with everything that AJ McKee brings to the table he's the new era of MMA just yeah. like just great everywhere and Pitbull, I, I don't think he's seen a guy like AJ McKee he's been around a long time but AJ McKee brings uh, a lot of different skills to the table and he's yeah. very elite um it just felt like a change of the guard. It felt like when Anderson Silva uh, became champion or, or when uh, Israel Adesanya beat Robert Whitaker. Like, you could just feel like there was going right. to be uh, uh, a change of the guard. And uh, I mean, AJ McKee delivered. I mean, I definitely didn't think it was going to last under two minutes. I thought it was going to be, uh, I thought he was going to be tested, that we were going to see him in, in bad spots, that he was going to have to overcome adversity. But, um, yeah, <laughs> he shut all that down in under two minutes.
0: I'll tell you this, I picked Pitbull to win, Uh, but watching those guys uh, like walk out and watching their demeanor when their names were announced and everything, I did not feel good about that <laughs> selection because while I felt like... I, I'm not going to say that Pitbull didn't look comfortable, but it, it was more about what A.J. McKee looked like. like this dude looked like he was... In the right spot at the right time, like he was just oozing confidence, like he looked like the guy that knew he was going to win that fight. And and again, I'm not saying Pitbull didn't. It was just more about like the vibe I got from McKee on Fight Night.
1: Yeah, it was similar. I mean, I hate to keep bringing up older fights, but it's similar to when Conor McGregor fought Aldo, and you could just see how loose and how confident he was. Right, and while Aldo was looking was looking good and everything like you could just maybe feel like he was feeling the moment and that's kind of what I what I got from their walkouts like maybe Pitbull was feeling the moment a little bit you know there's one million dollars on the line you know they had a um the press conference was kind of got a little chippy at at one point and then you know you go into this matchup AJ McKee you know he's just feeling like I've been here before uh I'm, I'm meant to do this you know and he and he went out there and performed
0: All right, what's next for AJ McKee? We will find out. Uh, I would love to see him match up against uh, the UFC's best featherweights. I would love to see him against Max Holloway. Um, You know, obviously, Volk and Ortega are going to be fighting soon for that uh, that belt, and you would assume that Max is next regardless, and, and maybe it's the loser of that title match. Uh, if AJ McKee does end up joining the UFC at some point, but man, I, I would I would love to see him kind of put his name in the in the ring with uh, with those names we just mentioned at 145 in the UFC. Holy cow, that guy is incredibly talented. All right, UFC Fight Night Strickland versus Hall last Saturday night. Will let's start with the main event, um, or you know what? Let's start with this. We uh, we both picked all five main card fights. We were on the same side of four of the five. The only one we were on opposite sides of was Jared Gooden and Nicholas Stoltze, which is a funny story anyway from our selections last week uh, and why we were on the opposite sides of those. But um, we got to start with the main event. Sean Strickland, Uriah Hall, I, I think was a a fight that had a lot of potential to be a lot of fun. And I think we both were in the same camp as far as, we absolutely knew what Sean Strickland was going to give us. The question is the inconsistencies that we've seen with Uriah Hall for a long time, right? It just kind of feels like it's it's always an up and down or even even when he's winning, I think there there have been times that I've just kind of felt a little bit underwhelmed by the performance. Uh, we both picked Sean Strickland in this fight and I liked the pick. I felt comfortable about the pick. But once again, like to say that I felt like Sean Strickland was going to dominate Uriah Hall the way that he did... I didn't. I mean, I, I didn't think it was going to be that one-sided. I, I think I texted you at one point in the third round, like, this is turning into just an ass-kicking. Like, it didn't even feel like it was a fight. It was just Sean Strickland delivering punishment.
1: Yeah, man. Sean, Sean Strickland looked uh, incredible from start to finish. His jab looked uh, incredible. Um, the way that he was just pressuring him in his face... Um, I would have liked to see Uriah Hall use more of his kicks, man, uh, because he's got lethal kicks, but it just felt like he was real um, focused on boxing, or uh, just to try to outbox Sean Strickland, because Sean Strickland wasn't throwing many kicks, but um, yeah, Sean Strickland just was piecing him up, and uh, just whenever Uriah Hall was getting close, he was just sliding out of the way, kind of making it look really easy. Um, Like, I, I, I felt like Sean Strickland was the more technical fighter and everything, but I definitely thought that Uriah Hall was going to be able to land some big uh, some big shots, but Sean Strickland just basically shut it all down with his pressure and with the way that he was uh, connecting with his jabs and his strikes and stuff. And after a while, it kind of looked like— it looked at first like Uriah Hall was, was frustrated, and then it, it turned into a look of, like, I don't want to be here anymore. And then yeah. it, it just kind of seemed like he was just there for the rest of the fight, and uh, Sean Strickland just kind of coasted. Um, I didn't give Uriah Hall any rounds— um, I didn't either. I mean, he, there there was a few rounds where he started out well, but as soon as Sean Strickland got started, it was just like, Uriah Hall just stopped. And uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, I mean, honestly, the, the fact that he like, made it
0: all 25 rounds was a little bit of a, a shocker to me.
1: Right. I, I mean, uh, I, I thought after maybe the third round, like, okay, uh, Sean Strickland can just, if he just pours it on, like, Uriah yeah. Hall will, will give in. Uh, I just think it's just it's kind of been what we become accustomed to with your eye hall um you would want him to uh to kind of exert himself a little more to be more aggressive but you know a lot of times it just never comes out with your eye you know i don't know he's he's so talented uh but man yeah. uh you, you just think that, that's the inconsistencies so much-
0: that we talked about last week yeah
1: Right, there's, there's so much more that you feel like you can get out of right. him, but it just never comes, man. Uh, that's just I, how I feel with him.
0: Yeah, you look at the skill set, and for a guy that is... As athletic and has as many skills as he has to be as one dimensional as Sean Strickland made him was again like I thought Sean Strickland was going to win and I thought Sean Strickland's pressure was probably the main reason he was going to win I thought he was going to take Uriah Hall out of his game but again it like he made Uriah Hall completely one dimensional and Uriah Hall never got comfortable never really made an adjustment in the fight and Sean Strickland from start to finish just you know had just kept pushing the same button and it worked for twenty five minutes.
1: Yeah, kept pushing the same button. Uh, Uriah Hall had no answer for it. Uh, and you could just see, like, in his corner, like, I, I, you know, when he goes to his corner, it just seems like he was just defeated after yeah. the first round. And you hate to see that with any fighter, but with Uriah Hall, you could just see, like, his demeanor. You know, there's a lot of times when, when people lose rounds and they go to the corner— you know they're listening to the coaches. Are like, all right, like what do I need to do? But with Uriah Hall, it just seemed like he went over there, sat down, and he was just like defeated. Yeah. After round one, I was I was pretty surprised by that. But, um, yeah, I mean, Sean Strickland went out there, did it, did his thing. I mean, and then to to hear what he was saying in the post fight interviews and stuff, like, yeah, uh, I, I haven't really heard Sean Strickland talk much, but that dude, I think he's psycho. Man. <laughs> that, yes. That dude yes. Is psycho.
0: Yes, I Michael Bisbing, I think two different times in the broadcast called him a psychopath. And I, I like I'm sitting there watching the fight and I felt like I kinda had that word in my head anyway, like this guy's a psychopath. And then Bisbing said it, and it was just like one of those like I've never heard a more perfect compliment for Sean Strickland than calling right. him a psychopath. Like it's you right. can't get any better than that.
1: Yeah man and and then like did you hear this the things he was saying in the post fight uh, press conference Yeah I uh, like man t- t- like how, how are you thinking about this stuff in the, after you have won such a big fight I I don't understand it I mean I guess if that's what works for him but Sean Strickland he he's a weird cat yeah. man but uh he the guy can fight and he's um uh, he got signed to fight somebody I, I can Yeah believe I'll bring I'll know. bring that up
0: in a second yeah Okay. Um I I I think it's funny that the guy's on a five fight win streak. He's 24 and three overall. Yeah. He's ranked in the top fifteen in that division, and they're asking him who he wants, and he's like, I don't care. I just want to fight. And and basically like inside the octagon, he's like, I'm you know, I, I'm just I, I just like fighting so much because otherwise I'd probably be doing meth. I'm like <laughs> Guy's just that's John Strickland. It's and I, dude, I like I love watching this guy fight, and I just, I love the honesty. And he's just like, yeah, man, like this is it. Like here I am. This is me. Fighting has saved he's, my life. Otherwise, I would you know be doing psychopath things.
1: Yeah, he's he's one of those guys where I don't think you can you could break him. Like right. I think if you if you try to get into a game of mental warfare with him, he'll win every time because you'll end up thinking like what is this guy made of? Like, what the hell? Like, this dude is different. Uh, And then when he goes out there and he fights, he fights so uh, carefree, you know. Um, His skills back it up. Uh, He can take the fight anywhere, but his striking is at another level. Um, He's won five in a row now. Um, Yeah, Sean Strickland is a problem, man. And when you uh, look at his record, he only has three losses, and those are three losses to some real high-level guys as well. And he's got 24 wins. So that goes to show, like, he used to be at 170. Now he's at 185. Now he's not depleting himself. Like, he's uh, – this has been the, a perfect move for him.
0: Yeah. I mean, one of those losses is to Kamara Usman um, at, uh, at 170, which he's fighting at 185 now. Another one of those losses is to uh, Santiago Ponzanibio back in 2015. Yeah, this guy is a problem. Um, like, that fight ended, Will, and I started thinking about, like, the middleweight division – and how many great fights there are to be made for Sean Strickland, right? Like you look at the top fifteen, and it kind of depends on like how high, if you're the UFC matchmakers, you want to put him. Like if you want to go all the way to the top, and I know Paulo Costa just got a fight, like I think in the last couple days uh, with Marvin Vittori. But if you wanted to go like all the way to the top, I, I Sean Strickland Paulo Costa, yes, please, that would be it. <laughs> that would be an awesome matchup, um, Paulo or, or Sean Strickland Darren Till. I think would be an awesome matchup. If you don't want to go quite that high, uh, and you want to give him another fight before he's served up these, you know, guys that are like one fight away from a title, like how about a Gastelum fight? for sean strickland that would be a great matchup how about edmund shabazian i know shabazian has two fights in a row shown weaknesses on the ground but the guy is terrific in the stand-up that's what sean strickland does shabazian sean strickland exchanging would be outstanding i can say the same thing for kevin holland if you wanted to go kevin holland sean strickland as far as just a stand-up or that would be amazing like there were so many great matchups, I think, to be made for Sean Strickland, a guy that really doesn't give a damn who you give him. He doesn't right. give a damn about winning a title. He just wants to fight. So in my mind, I'm like, give him somebody that, that is just going to give us a great matchup, and I, I want to get your thoughts on the matchup that they end up giving him because I, I'm a little underwhelmed that they go the Luke Rockhold route. Man,
1: um, okay, so it is Luke Rockhold. Okay. Um, I think it's, it's a different matchup, but I think if there were more options, because I feel like a lot of the guys are tied up at the top and while the Kevin Hollins and Edmund Shabazzians would be fun stylistic matchups, I think at this point with Sean Strickland winning five in a row, I think him fighting a former champion is kind of, it's like, kind of the way to go, uh, right now with everyone else tied up. Uh, you don't really want to go, uh, Cause Jariah Hall, I think he was ranked like tenth. I think you want to go somewhere higher than that. And I think if Luke Rockhold was fighting now, he'd be in that in that uh, top level of the division. Uh, and he'll he'll bring him the type of fight that he wants. Uh, Luke Rockhold is is outstanding on the feet. Yeah. Um, and he's got wrestling too, but he uh, his kicks are uh, what his calling card is. So. Um, I think that's a fun matchup, man. Uh, yeah. I, that's a, it's a tough matchup for Luke Rockhold to come back to after being gone for over two years. But uh, for Sean Strickland, it's, uh, it's, it's not much of a risk, if you ask me. Uh, if he loses, okay, uh, I don't really think that does much damage to him, really. Uh, but if he wins, uh, I think that just puts him right back uh, top with these top-level guys. Like I think if he wins this one, you'll, you'll see him against maybe a Paulo Costa or a Marvin Vittori.
0: Uh, see, I don't I don't know that I feel the same way about the risk-reward. I Like, the expectation is that he should beat Luke Rockhold, right? The guy hasn't been in the Octagon in over two years. Uh, he's lost three of his last four when he was in the Octagon. Like, I I know he's a former champion, but I, I feel like this is kind of the same rub that, uh, like, Vincent Luque gets for beating Tyron Woodley at this point, right? Like, it just... How much does that really do for you? So, um... I don't know. I've, I've, I, I feel weird about it. Like, I, I I think there were better matchups to be made. Uh, but again, you have to consider, like, this guy doesn't care. Like, he doesn't yeah, care right. who you give him. <laughs> he, he's not, like, hungry for the title. He's not, like, trying to find the right fight that's going to put him on a title path. Like, he literally just wants to fight. So I guess from that standpoint, like, he's he doesn't care if this is, you know, little ri- or, like, big risk, little reward or or the other way around. Um, but also that's why I think like, if you wanted to just go the Kevin Holland route, or you wanted to go the Edmund Shabazzian route, like those would be wars. Those would be great fights. And either way you're, you're getting either one of those two guys gets a big win against a guy that doesn't care if he goes up or down anyway, or Sean Strickland just continues to mow through the 185 ers Like, I, I just think that, uh, I don't know. I was, I was underwhelmed by the announcement, but like it's going to be a fun fight. Don't get me wrong. I'm excited to watch the fight. I just uh, I was underwhelmed by the path that they took as far as Sean Strickland and what's next.
1: Yeah, and I still think uh, a lot of that has to do with uh, them wanting to put to put him in a matchup with, with the guys at the top of the division, but everyone's booked. Like Till and Brunson's booked, uh, Gaslam and yeah. Cannoneer's booked, um, P- Costa Vittori's booked, Israel's fighting Robert Whittaker next. So that's right. eight guys <laughs> at the top of the division uh, that's that's just booked right now. So, um, I mean, I guess you could have went with uh, a Kevin Holland or Edmund Shabazian. But I think with Luke Rockhold coming back, bringing uh, the accolades that he's had, I think it, it to, for me, it does make yeah. some sense. Uh, just more more so just with everyone else uh, being booked up.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Our co-main event, uh, once again saw Cheyenne Bayes, uh, deliver in a big way. I told you back when she won her contender series fight, I was like, I, I, like, that's one of those, like, write the name down, like, there's something special there. Um, obviously, her last fight against, uh, Montserrat Conejo was, um, not favorable in terms of stylistic matchup, and she was dominated on the ground. Uh, I said last week. I, I think as far as her stand-up abilities, she can exchange with anybody in that division. I believe that, like she's that good, um, and she wins in in, in really impressive fashion. Uh, we were both on the Cheyenne Bay side of this fight, but uh, awesome to see her deliver.
1: Yeah, look when she her last fight with Montserrat. Um, she just couldn't stop that takedown. But, but you knew, like, Mantra wanted no problems no. with her on the feet. She did not want uh, any smoke on the feet. So she just kept going to the well with that takedown. And it, it, it worked. And it got her that decision. But, um, yeah. And as long as that fight was standing with Monterey, you, you could tell, like, Cheyenne was just the more talented fighter. And, uh, you know, in this fight, I think... Maybe it was another step down from what Matsuradio was someone who will bring a, a stand-up fight to her. But, man, that head kick was perfectly timed. I, I haven't seen a head kick delivered that well no. in a while. I mean, of course, Rose knocked out Whaley with the head kick. That was beautiful. But that that uh, head kick that Cheyenne Bays landed was outstanding,
0: man. And uh, literally yeah, like he's, half he's a second a earlier, and it's probably a DQ, right?
1: Yeah, like it, her hand was so close to touching the ground. Like we could be having a completely different conversation right yeah. now. Uh, but it was perfectly timed. You can't, you can't time a, a head kick better than that. That was, that was so perfect.
0: Yeah. Um. You, you know, you see, I know you're like this too. You see these people fight, Especially in like UFC debuts or contender series or even uh, tough. And there are certain individuals that you just see one time, you're like, holy cow, that person's special. Uh, I felt that way the first time I saw Adrian Yanez last year. Um, Cheyenne Bays was another one of those that I was just like, circle that name, remember that name, like there is something special there. And I'm excited to see where she goes because, I again, her stand-up, I think, is is incredible. She's got to work on the ground game, as we saw last time, work on the takedown defense. She said that that's all she's done actually leading up to this fight. And then, you know, she got somebody that, that was going to give her a stand-up war. But, uh, man, that was uh, that was pretty impressive. Excited for and, – and then when you hear the story about, uh, you know, borrowing money just to make it yeah. and, uh, you know, getting the big payday and just how life-changing something like that is – you can't help but but be a bigger fan of of the situation
1: yeah uh super happy for cheyenne bays uh and then for her to just to be able to tell her story and be comfortable telling her story yeah um and just how much it meant to her man uh and, and for the the fight to end out to end up that way uh is that's that's storybook stuff man. Yeah. you can't write it better than that
0: Alright, uh, we'll run through these uh, last three main card fights uh, quickly from last Saturday night. Uh, Jared Gooden over Nicholas Stoltze. This was the only fight that we were on the opposite side of last week, and that was only because I was prepared to take Stolzay. You selected first last week and took Stolzay, So for the sake of our competition and trying to get a point on you, I took the other side, and that actually paid off for me with Jared Gooden. So Jared Gooden <laughs> wins by knockout in the first round. We had uh, Bogdasarian over Colin england in the uh, i believe that was a second round ko and then as we said last week uh brian barberina and jason witt was going to be a great fight it absolutely delivered i i didn't think that jason witt was going to be on the the right side of it uh but man he looked really good in that fight which again was just like edge of your seat awesome stuff
1: yeah man this entire card man uh those Three knockouts in the middle of the card were all uh, exciting, but um, the Jason Witt Brian Barbarina f- first fight, man, like when when the commentators are over there going crazy, uh, like Paul Felder, you could just tell, like Michael Bisbee, they're all like,
0: oh, oh, yeah. oh, like uh,
1: just they're all just going crazy. You could just tell like this fight was uh, incredible. Uh, Jason Witt almost uh, didn't make it out of the out of that fight. Brian Barbarina had a great third round it was a close fight um i really didn't know which way to go with it i kind of was leaning a little bit towards wit but i wouldn't have been mad at a barberina uh win either um but both of those guys delivered yeah. man uh uh for jason witt showing how tough he is in that third round to just yeah. survive that onslaught that brian barberina was giving to him uh it was crazy i mean he he did really well in the first two rounds with that third round it was yeah i mean it was just. It took a lot of of grit for him to finish that out. Um yeah. So, uh, props to Jason Witt. He showed a lot, and but and we all know what Brian Barberina brings to the table. So, fight of the night and very well deserved.
0: Yeah. Um. I had Witt winning the fight, but yeah. I mean, like it's one of the. That's like one of those fights where nobody's talking about the winner or the decision right. or anything. It's literally, <laughs> literally about like what happened for the 15 minutes those guys were in the octagon and not the aftermath.
1: Right. Yeah. Paul Piotr Paul w- literally walked into the octagon and he was just like, that was one of the greatest fights <laughs> that I've ever seen. <laughs> like, you, could, like, you could just tell uh, how excited that he was calling the fight. And then when he went into and to, and to do the interviews, like how excited he was to talk to them both. Like that fight was outstanding.
0: Oh, it was awesome. It was awesome. Hopefully we have a whole bunch of those uh, tonight. UFC 265 from Houston, Texas. Will Brewer, I am excited for this card. As we get ready to make our picks, uh, you have a seven-point advantage over me, which once once again means you are selecting first. And um, before we get to our main card selections, uh, any comments on uh, the early prelims or the prelims that you want to throw out there? Uh,
1: well, I w- I was excited to bring up Manel Kopp. Um, he's got two... Uh, coming off two losses, and he's got this big fight with uh, O'Day Osborne. Yeah. But then he he missed weight uh, by three pounds yesterday, and I was pretty underwhelmed. So he's got a lot of things working against him. Uh, he needs a win, but now uh, missing weight, he desperately needs a win. Or you know, this might not be um, this might be his last one. But there's a lot of uh, of good fights on the prelims. Um, Ed Herman, Alonzo Menifield will be great. Uh, Miles Johns, Anderson Dos Santos will be great. But of course. Everyone's looking at that featured prelim, Bobby Green, Rafael Vaziv, uh That fight's going to be a banger.
0: I one hundred percent. I mean, I, I think big advantage for Fiziev in that fight for me, but Bobby Green is a warrior and is going to give Fiziev right. the battle that he wants. I just think Faziv is is you know a, a little bit ahead as far as just the guy that he is. And, and look, I think he's one of those guys that you could make an argument to be, have a number next to his name in the most talented division in the sport. So, uh, I'm, I love that fight. I, I, I want to see, uh, if Fazev is, is going to kind of like secure his spot as far as his continued elevation at 155, and and you know again Bobby Green was a guy that I felt like was on every other card last year and always shows up and always delivers, so it's it's certainly not going to be a pushover for Fazev. Uh, regardless, you mentioned Manel Cop, and and I agree as well. I think this is a guy that um, two fights in a, he comes into the UFC with a lot of hype. He goes into 125, they immediately give him a big matchup to, you know, either make his case to, to I think, have a title track, or uh, it goes the other way. And I feel like for two fights in a row, we've seen this guy get inside the octagon. And I think one of two things, either he feels like he's just going to outpoint his opponent and doesn't necessarily like want to get in a fight. And he just thinks, like, I'm going to outpoint this guy and he's not going to touch me and I'm just going to be able to get, like, touches and I'm going to win that way. Or he just waits way too long to start engaging because two fights in a row, it's like you can't get much out of him in the first two rounds and then you see a completely different fighter in round three. Um, I, I want to see if we're going to get some aggressiveness out of Manel Cop from the opening minute of this fight. Secondly, he misses weight by three pounds. He's fighting a guy that's dropping down to feather or to flyweight for the first time. Uh, I think there are a lot of interesting storylines with uh with that flyweight matchup against uh Osborne. So I'm with you. That was one that that I had circled for a number of reasons. All right. Our main event, UFC 265 starts in the bantamweight division. Will Brewer. We have Song Yadong at 16-5 and 1 versus Casey Kenny, 16-3 and 1 oddsshark.com has Song Yudong -105 Casey Kenny -115 so this one on fight day as of this morning very very close in the odds
1: Ooh, this one um, this one's tough uh, i think that uh Song Yudong is tough uh Casey Kenny was on a Was on an upward trajectory for for a minute and then he ran into Dominic Cruz. Uh, He had one three in a row. Um, I've been going back and forth on this fight. It just you know I know that Casey Kinney is going to bring pressure and I'm not sure uh, how well Song Yidong is going to is going to handle that. But I do believe that Song Yidong is very talented still. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, I'm gonna go Casey Kinney by decision.
0: All right, Casey Kinney for me as well. Um, you know, Song Yudong, I still don't believe he beat uh, Cheeto Vera. I thought that was uh, a decision uh, Robert, that went sure. the wrong way. Uh, and then you saw, I think, how he reacted to the pressure of Kyler Phillips the last time around. You mentioned it. Casey Kinney is is going to do that as well. Uh, that, to me, is, is I think, the difference for me in choosing Casey Kinney over Song Dong. So, uh, you're right. Casey Kinney was a guy that... Uh, had a lot of momentum before that Dominic Cruz matchup. And look, Dominic Cruz like I, I don't think it's necessarily a negative on Casey Kennedy to lose to a guy like Dominic Cruz, because right. Cruz is a tough puzzle, man. Like there's a reason the guy's been a champion, and regardless of how you feel about where Dominic Cruz is in his career at this point, the fact remains, he's just a difficult puzzle to solve, and he's a difficult guy to look good against. Like even if you beat him. It's, it's not necessarily a thing that's easy to look good against a guy that's that awkward and that unique. So uh, I think Casey Kenny gets it back on track as well. All right, we have female strawweights in our second fight on the main card of UFC 265. Tisha Torres, 12-5 and five overall against Angela Hill, 13-9 and nine overall. Tisha Torres, minus 140 favorite. Angela Hill, plus 115.
1: Uh... Man, for me, uh, I think uh, Tisha Torres will get this one. I think she's got more ways uh, to control this fight, uh, whether it's with her striking, whether it's with her grappling. Um, I think Angela Hill's made a lot of uh, improvements uh, over the years since they last fought. Uh, She was very green when they first fought back in 2015, I think it was, um, right when they came off the Ultimate Fighter, I think. But uh, now um Angela Hill she's definitely made a lot of improvements but I just don't think uh she's on that level of Tisha Torres right now. I I could be completely wrong, but uh I think this is going to be a Tisha Torres win. Uh but I think Angela Hill will have moments where she uh makes it exciting and makes it um and uh pushes Tisha Torres, but I think uh in the end it'll be a Tisha Torres win.
0: All right, I'm going Tisha Torres as well. Um Both of these fighters were on losing streaks. Uh, Angela Hill was able to get back in the win column last time out against Ashley Yoder. Uh, For Tisha Torres, she had lost to a murderer's row before her recent two-fight win streak. Andras, Joanna, Whaley, and Marina Rodriguez. I mean, that is a killer's (laughs) row at 115, and she's bounced back with two straight wins. Uh, So, yeah, Tisha Torres for me as well. Which takes us, will to I? I mean, we have I think three outstanding fights to close out UFC 265, and it starts with Michael Chiesa and Vincent Luque contrasting styles. Uh, this is an extremely fun matchup. Uh, as soon as this one was announced, I was I was really excited again because I think both of these guys have forward momentum, but in very different ways, uh, which is always exciting, right? It's it's the it's the stylistic matchup, like. Kiesa is as good a grappler as there is in this division. Vincent Luque uh, certainly has good jiu-jitsu, but he's known for his stand-up and the stand-up wars that he gets in, and certainly at times is one of those guys that kind of throws caution to the wind. I always call him the, uh, or you can say it the other way around, but I call him the Benil Dariush of the uh, welterweight division. Like, I think both of those guys are similar in so many ways. Uh, Vincent Luque... 27-1 27 and 1 overall against Michael Chiesa 17 and 4 overall. Oddshark.com has Vincent Luque minus 120 favorite Michael Chiesa plus 100 on fight day.
1: Well, first let me just say every time that I see Michael Chiesa, I really just don't know how he was making 155 for all those fights, man. <laughs>
0: right.
1: I, I mean, that guy is massive. And then just to see the old pictures of him at 155 and how depleted that he looked, I'm so glad that he made that decision to go up to 170 because at 155, he looked like a skeleton. He looked sick all the time. Uh, but I'm just so glad that he made the move to 170.
0: Well, he, he was the main event at a fight night card in Oklahoma City. It was it was. Michael Chiesa, Kevin Lee was the main event of that card, and I was at the weigh in the day before. And I'm I'm not kidding. That dude looked as sucked out as anybody you've ever seen. <laughs> like I was just like, holy cow! I'm I'm with you. I, like he looks big as a 170 guy. Right. But yeah, like that, like that like that weigh in day, I was just like, man, this dude. Like, how's he doing it?
1: Yeah, man. It, just to see like the old pictures and stuff, and then to see him now, it's. Yeah, it looks like two complete, completely different people. Um, he said something interesting, and I, when I was thinking about this fight, I kind of was uh, on the same page as him. I think that this fight's going to tell us a lot about both guys. Um, Michael Chiesa needs to fight a guy who brings the dog fights. Like, can he handle a, the dog fight that Vicente Luque is going to bring to him? Um, and then, can Vicente Luque? How does he? How is he going to fight against a strong grappler? Um, we haven't really seen Vicente Luque fight a guy like Chiesa. We've seen him fight, um, again, in uh, stylistic wars against like the Brian Barbarinas and uh, Stephen Thompson's, Tyron Woodley's, you know, not many people who bring that grappling style to him. So I think this fight going to tell us a lot. And whoever wins this is going to be um, right in the title mix for sure. Uh, for me, I think uh, with this being a three round fight, um, I think the, the advantage goes to Kiesa. With his uh, with his grappling and everything, um, I just don't think with this pressure and everything that he's gonna really let Vicente Luque be himself as far as uh, wanting to open up and be that guy who's uh, uh, the the murderous striker that he is. So um, I'm going Michael Chiesa on this one. Um, I think he just controls it from. Uh, I'm not gonna say bell to bell, but I think uh, he'll. I think it'll be interesting to see them in the first round, but I think uh, yeah. after a while. Yes, we'll get a hold of him.
0: I'm going to go Vince Luque. And I, look, I, I, I love this matchup again. I think, you know, stylistically, um, we all want to see like what, it, what it's going to look like, whose who's style is, is going to dominate. I, I would say this I, I think that we've seen Luque get in these crazy wars, and I compared him to, to Dariush a little bit, right? Like, we've seen Dariush do that at 155. But what have we seen out of Dariush the last couple times out? Like, he's, he's fought smarter fights. Like he's he's got to this point where he's now fighting competition that makes him be more disciplined and doesn't necessarily allow, allow him to just be the the wild like I'm just going to be better than you guy. And I think Kiesa is going to bring that out in Luque. I I think we're going to see Vincent Luca at his as at his very best. I think we're going to see him more disciplined because if he does get wild, Kiesa is just going to take him down and ride him out the entire fight. Like I I just I, I think he has to know that. Um, I, I don't know how good he, his takedown defense is. I don't know how good he feels about it, but I, I, I would assume that the thought is like, we can't get too crazy and allow Kiesa to have these takedown opportunities and make them too easy for him. So I, I think you do see Luke, um, probably fight the most disciplined fight we've seen to this point. And look, if, if he doesn't, then I think this is an easy path to victory, for Michael Chiesa so I I, I think Luke is one of the top five guys in this uh, in this division and I'm excited to see him in this matchup because I think for the first time in a while it's a matchup that's going to make him fight a very smart fight and and make him fight a fight that kind of like establishes you as you know one of those like championship caliber guys where the mental right. has to match up with the physical.
1: Right. I, I agree. That's what this fight represents for both these guys. Uh they're they are they are in a crossroads at their uh careers. Uh this is to prove if they're uh championship level fighters. And I think they both are, but yeah. who I mean who's who's gonna win this one? Um I got Kiesa, but we'll see.
0: All right. We are on the opposite side of Luke Kiesa. Which takes us to our co-main event, uh, Will Brewer, bantamweights. I love this matchup. You and I got uh, a little bit giddy when this one was announced. Aldo Munoz, holy cow, Josie Aldo, twenty-nine and seven overall. Pedro Munoz, nineteen and five overall. Munoz minus one hundred and five. Aldo minus one fifteen. A lot like the Song Don Casey Kinney matchup. This one is. As close to uh, even as it gets.
1: I think this fight will be fun. Uh, I don't think there's any way that this fight won't be. Uh, Just the styles of both these guys. Um, I just think that it it calls for a fight of the night level fight. Um, I will say this, though. um, I think Pedro Munoz made uh, very... like He took a step in his fight with Jimmy Rivera where... Um, we're used to seeing him be the guy kind of like you were saying with Vicente Luque. We, yeah, we, we've been used to seeing him be the guy who gets into wars and stuff, but we're seeing him fight very smart and very strategically. And, uh, that's what, what, uh, Pedro Munoz gave, gave us against Jimmy Rivera. Um, he'd fought definitely way different than I thought he was going to fight. I felt like Rivera was the one who was looking to be in a war and Munoz was the one who was uh, being very technical. Yeah. But with that being said, um, I think the type of fighter that Pedro Munoz is is turning into, the very strategic uh, fighter that he's becoming, I think Aldo has just seen, I think he's just seen it over the years, and I think he just knows what to do, and especially in a three-round fight, I have a hard time betting against uh, Jose Aldo, so I'm going to go with uh, Aldo on this one.
0: Nice, nice, I love it, Uh, give me Pedro Munoz. (laughs) I I told you that, like, inside the octagon, this is one of my favorite guys in the sport, and I picked against him last time. I'm not doing it again uh, (laughs) because I don't want to have to root against Pedro Munoz, uh, first and foremost. But look, I I think that you make a very valid point. If he fights Aldo the way that he fought Jimmy Rivera, I think Aldo gets the better of him. I think we need vintage, all-out brawler Pedro Munoz in this fight, and I think you need just go forward, just know you're going to eat some shots and get into a war. And if, if you go to that uh, style, I I think you're too much for Aldo in this case. So um, yeah, I I think you're right. What, what, uh, what Munoz do we get? um, If we get the, you know, put the dump truck in the forward position and break the gear off and, and just, you know, (laughs) like it's, it's going forward, no matter what happens, uh, Pedro Munoz, then I think he's going to be too much for Aldo. But if he, If he tries to be the more technical guy, I think he's on the wrong end of this against uh, Aldo. So while we've seen, I think, forward progress as far as his overall game, uh, I I think this opponent doesn't necessarily uh, say that that would be the right way to go, at least in my mind. So I love this matchup. I think this matchup is going to be awesome. Uh, I'm with you. If if this was like a fight night uh, five-rounder, I would probably feel better about picking yeah. Pedro Munoz in a three-rounder. Right. Um, you know, it's it's a really close fight. But uh, like I said, I'm, I'm not picking against my guy Pedro Munoz uh, <laughs> for a second time in a row. I didn't like doing it the last time, uh, right. but uh, I'm, I'm doing it today. Pedro Munoz over Aldo, and, and man, that's just going to be a blockbuster. So, all right, we are on the opposite side of Luque and Chiesa. We're on the opposite side of Munoz and Aldo, which takes us Will to our main event for UFC two sixty-five in the heavyweight division. We opened this podcast talking about the heavyweights, John Jones and Stipe Miocic. Now it's Cyril Gon and Derek Lewis. Uh, again, when you talk about matchups and guys that are just completely different. Uh, it doesn't really get much polar opposite than gone Derek Lewis. UFC 265 main event with the heavyweights. Derek Lewis, 25 and 7 overall. Surreal gone 9 and 0. Undefeated as a mixed martial artist. Derek Lewis is a plus 270 underdog. Gone minus 360 favorite. I would assume that uh, most casuals are like. What the hell? Plus or plus two seventy for Derek Lewis? How is that even possible?
1: Yeah, um, I I voted on Twitter in this poll about who I thought would win out of uh, Ghan and Derek Lewis, and I thought that a lot of people like would know like Srilogan's probably the better guy or whatever. So I voted and I picked Srilogan. And can I guess the percentage? 80- I'm sorry. Did you go say ahead. it? I didn't hear you. No. Did you say okay, it? Okay, good. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, didn't, I started to, but go ahead.
0: Um, I'm going to guess the percentage was like 92% for Derek Lewis.
1: 84%. Oh, for
0: okay. Lewis.
1: Yeah. 84% for Derek Lewis and only like 16 for for Surreal Gun. And I was yeah. like, what? <laughs> but. Yeah, it just goes to show, man, Derek Lewis with his knockout power and uh, how big of a fan favorite that he's become. Uh, a lot of people are behind Derek Lewis. Um, I think he's made – he's took a lot of steps in his game. I think he's not really – I think he learned a lot when he fought DC. Um, I think he was really uh, looking to just go out there and, and try to find a shot. But, you know, DC was just too strong with his wrestling and stuff. Yeah. But since then, uh, he's gotten healthy. Um and he's he's become more strategic with how he's wanting to uh, land these shots. Like the Curtis Blades fight is a perfect example. Um, I thought that Derek Lewis was gonna was just gonna run out there, throw some wild strike, and then get taken down, and we were gonna see Curtis Blades beat him for five rounds. But Derek Lewis laid back and really forced uh, Curtis Blades into a, a very very sloppy shot, and uh, Derek Lewis was able to counter with the with a beautiful uppercut that uh, scored the knockout. Um, with this fight, though, I don't think that he's going to be able to be as patient, I think, uh, with Cyril Ghosn's style. Um, it's, he's going to have to be more willing to uh, engage and willing to um, make this a dogfight because you know Cyril Gan he hasn't been in a, in a dogfight. He's really had his way yeah. uh, with these uh, opponents. Um, I think he does a very good job of, of going in and out and not getting hit. Uh, but Derek Lewis, is, he, I think he's gonna have to really force it, um, and because we haven't really seen Gunn knock anybody out, so we don't really know if he has that knockout power. So if I'm Derek Lewis, I'm, I'm really wanting to test him. Um, Sir gonna he's, he's comfortable. I want to see Derek Lewis make him uncomfortable. Yeah. But I just don't think. Uh, Derek Lewis is going to be able to do that. I think Cyril God is a very smart fighter, even though he's only fought uh, nine UFC fights or not UFC fights, but nine MMA fights. Uh, he's he has a he's very smart. His high, his IQ is very high level. Um, he's gonna he's gonna manage the distance. He's gonna uh, know when to go in and just know when to get out of the uh, striking range of Derek Lewis. So. Uh, I think Derek Lewis is going to have a hard time uh, getting inside, so I'm going to go with uh, Cyril Gaon.
0: I, uh, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I, I, I'm excited. I like Cyril Gaon. I like Derek Lewis. When this matchup was announced, like again, all the feelings about the interim belt and all that stuff out the window. Like I, I was excited about the matchup. But if I'm being honest, like my expectation isn't that this is going to be a good fight. Like, I, I, I feel like the, the majority of people that are excited for this fight are going to watch this and they're going to be bored. Yeah, under yeah. Because Derek Lewis isn't going to go forward. It, it, he might if this fight gets into the fourth or fifth round and he's obviously well behind Booth. on the scorecard. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think what you're going to see for at least three rounds, maybe more, is, I mean, go back to what we saw. I, I can give two examples of what I expect. Let's go back to Derek Lewis' last fight against Curtis Blades and everything that happened before Curtis Blades made the horrible error in, in, you know, coming in and catching the uppercut. Like, all of us just were like, what are you doing? Um, Terrible error, and he got knocked out. But up to that point, it was a pretty boring fight. It was Curtis Blades keeping distance, you know, getting some kicks in, just, you know, touching Derek Lewis here and there and never getting close enough to get caught. Let's go back to Cyril Ghosn and uh, Jarzinho Rosenstrike Again, a lot of people hated that fight, and that went the distance. 25 minutes of basically Rosenstrike playing the Derrick Lewis role, looking to catch one big shot for the entire fight, and Cyril Ghosn obviously winning on the scorecard by a massive margin, not needing to get into a brawl, not wanting to catch the big knockout, getting in and out, getting his strikes, getting his kicks, touching strike the entire fight, but never really, I mean, hurting him or, or ever really feeling like these guys were engaged in a fight, right? That's exactly what I expect tonight for at least three rounds. And look, if gone makes a mistake and gets caught, then he's going to go down. My question is what happens if we get to the fourth round or if we get to the fifth round and Derek Lewis is like, I can't keep doing this at some point, you know, you have to try to win the fight. And if you haven't caught him by then, you're going to have to start being the aggressor. So, like, literally, this comes down to one question for me. Will Derek Lewis touch Cyril Gon in this fight? Because if he does, <laughs> Cyril Gon's going down, and it's lights out, and it's game over. If he doesn't, Cyril Gon's probably going to win this fight, 50-45, unanimous decision, and, I mean, there's no way this is going to be a close fight on scorecards. So, like, it's literally, like, is he going to touch him, or is he not? Like, that's as simple as this fight is, because Cyril Gon is going, to, Cyril Gon's quick, He's great on his feet. He's good at getting in and out. He's going to score throughout this fight unless he makes a mistake and then Derek Lewis catches him. So, like, it, it's hard to bet on... Even though I like I, I love Derek Lewis, it's hard to bet that he's just going to be given that opportunity and that Gon is going to make a mistake to allow him to land that big shot. I mean, I feel the same way about the Curtis Blades fight. We both picked Curtis Blades because we thought he was going to do exactly what he did leading up to the point that he made his his mistake... And just you know, not ever put himself in a bad situation to take the big shot. And for some reason, while just winning on the scorecards easily, he decided out of nowhere, like I'm going to go for this takedown with Derek Lewis, literally fist clenched, ready to land the big shot, and he did. I Scott, Gon's not going to do that, I don't think. Right. So like, it's just it's hard for me to bet or put my my wager on a guy that's literally got to land just one shot. And hoping that the other guy's gonna make the mistake to allow that to happen. So uh, all that said, like I it's just I have gotta pick gone.
1: <laughs> when you started this, I thought you were going the other way. I really did. Yeah. <laughs> but I think you uh, kind of took yourself out of that while you were talking. But let me No, uh, I was
0: never going. I was never going, Lewis. Never- I, I I was oh, just okay, okay. I was I was just really trying to paint the picture of what I think we're going to see tonight. And, you know, Derek Lewis again is like a fan favorite. People love him. Like I, my guess was 90% of people thought he was going to win. And it's because Surreal Gon's a very smart fighter. He doesn't put himself in danger much. He doesn't get in big exchanges. Uh, You know, we saw a little bit more of that against Volkov. And I think he really impressed us from that standpoint, but even against Volkov, like while he beat him up, you know, it, it wasn't like he, you know, he put him away. And, I mean, there's not even... It's not even close as far as, like, w- the way you have to be against Volkov versus Derek Lewis. Um, like, I, I just... I don't see a way that Gon is ever going to put himself in danger in this fight. And Derek Lewis is not going to get into a mixed martial arts fight against surreal real Gon. Like, Derek Lewis' skill set is nowhere close to Gon's skill set. So, like, the right. question becomes, when it gets to the fourth or fifth round... And he starts to feel that urgency, like I gotta go get this knockout. Like how? What? How does that look? Uh, I, I I don't. I still don't know the answer to that. I think Gone is still gonna just not ever be in a situation where he he takes the big shot. Um, but man, this is exciting. Derek Lewis even said, I think, in the last week, like, if you guys let me win the belt in the heavyweight division, like, what's wrong with you guys? Like he he <laughs> he like he literally admits he's like the least skilled MMA fighter. In the heavyweight division, right. because he's a knockout artist, like that's that's not necessarily a negative thing. That's just what the reality of the situation is. Derek Lewis is a knockout artist. Surreal Gon is a mixed martial artist, and if uh, if Gaan doesn't make the mistake to put himself in jeopardy, like that, that should be the way this thing goes.
1: Yeah, look, with without trying to disrespect Derek Lewis and, and everything that he's done. Derek Lewis has uh, a puncher's chance, but yeah, I But I want to be more clear. Like he's got a puncher's chance, but if anyone's ever had a puncher's chance for Derek Lewis to have a puncher's chance, like that, that shit is elevated, like t- double, triple, quadruple. Because like this is, he's the scariest knockout artist, or him and him and Francis yeah. are the are the two scariest knockout artists in the entire UFC. And it just takes one. So, he doesn't have to like it,
0: it, wear exactly. you down before he puts you away.
1: Exactly, it takes one big shot from Derek Lewis. So to say that he has a puncher's chance, I'm 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 giving him his props, but also I'm being smart to know that he's not going to be piling on rounds or overwhelming Surreal yeah. Like Cyril, if he doesn't land anything, Srilgan's not going to be hit, and Srilgan's going to be touching him from from a long distance away. So these rounds are going to be piled up for Surreal and unless Derek Lewis lands something crazy. And like you said, um, but I have a I have a question that I think will be answered uh, on the night. I wonder how the crowd will factor into this fight, because this is Derrick Lewis's hometown. And if there is like some lulls in the action, will he be uh, will there be booze? And if there's booze, will that force Derrick Lewis to be like, all right, let me take some chances because. Like you said, the Blades and Lewis fight was boring until Blades made that mistake. Yeah. Srilgan's not going to make that mistake. Like, if Srilgan wants to stand there and and pick out his leg for 25 minutes and win the belt that way, Srilgan will do that. He will not make. He will not take any unnecessary chances like Curtis Blades did. So, um, Derek Lewis is going to have to be the one to initiate uh, to initiate things. So, um, will Derek Lewis do that? I think with uh, with it being in his hometown for the heavyweight title, like why the fuck not? Go ahead and yeah. just go out there and put and put it all on the line and, and see what happens.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um and and yeah, I I think you're right to point out like this not, nothing we're saying is is in any disrespect to Derek Lewis. And like I said, like Derek Lewis even made the statement like if you if you MMA guys allow me to get the belt, like that's on you. <laughs> Cause all of these guys From an MMA standpoint, are are more skilled. They all these guys have more tools than Derek Lewis does, and that again, that also doesn't mean Derek Lewis hasn't gotten better in a lot of areas. But at the end of the day, like, you know, a cow is a cow. Derek Lewis is Derek Lewis. Like, you know, it's we're not trying to like look at a cow and call it a duck. Like, (laughs) Derek Lewis is a knockout artist. That's what he is. That's what he does. That's what's made him successful in the UFC. And uh, I don't think Cyril gone, especially after having gone through that Rosenstrike fight and f- not feeling bad whatsoever about the way that thing went. Uh, I don't think I would be surprised, I guess would be the way to say it. If the booze that are going to happen in this fight, right. uh, forced him to fight a different style. So I don't think we're going to see that from gone, but you're right. I think the question is, Like, at what point do those boos kind of put Derek Lewis into gear to maybe force the action because he's going to be behind on the scorecard and it's going to be on him to force the action in this fight because, you know, Gon is going to be scoring. I think he's going to wait. Again, because of the Blades fight, like, I I think he's going to wait a decent amount of time before he does that. And look, he also talks about his cardio a lot. Like, I think he also knows, like, he can't maybe you know, turn it on too soon uh, because then he may not reach the finish line either from a cardio standpoint. So my guess, my guess is for about three rounds, you're going to see Gon stay on the outside. You're going to see Gon get kicks in and, and just do, again, what he did to Strike. I think you're going to see Derek Lewis do exactly what he did against Blades, which is sit back and just wait for the big shot. And people are going to be really upset about it. There's going to be a lot of booze. And my guess is at some point in round four to give himself about a 10 minute window, um, you know, and the, and the crowd booing, like, and, and at that point probably being down unanimously, uh, three rounds to zero. I think at that point you see him, uh, maybe, you know, put it in forward and, and try and force the issue and, and see what happens from there. So I I'm fully expecting this, Will, to be one of those fights that uh, that UFC fans aren't necessarily uh, happy about uh, because they're not getting the firework exchanges.
1: Yeah, and I think that's exactly how this fight will go unless Derek Lewis finds a window um in the first couple rounds, yeah. to just have like just have like some moments of explosion to where maybe he tries to land something. Um, that way he's not blowing out his gas taking the first two rounds because I do think that's something, uh, big that he did against blades. He was being patient because he knew that this was a five round fight. So I think he'll do the similar thing with surreal yeah. but, um, yeah, surreal Ghan's not going to make the mistake that Curtis blades did. So, I mean, it's very interesting while a lot of people will think that this fight is boring. Like I'm going to be on the edge of my seat because this fight could end at any point or, you know, surreal is just going to, um, have a he's going to show that it's a, it's a master class. It's too easy for him. So, I mean, I, I like, uh, chess matches like this for sure. Um, uh, fighters having to have great IQ. So, um, these type of fights intrigue me a lot. So I'm looking forward to this one,
0: especially when, you know, one of them can with one shot end it at any point. And like, I I'm with you. I think like, these are the kind of fights that probably stress me out a little bit more than when they, when both guys are just banging each other. like, Right. Because you're literally waiting for one guy to make one mistake and potentially the fight ending.
1: Exactly. Like, uh, a, a fight that I can compare it to, a lot of people didn't like Tyron Woodley and Wonderboy because they, yeah. they were out there playing chess. Like, if you make one mistake, like, the fight is over. And I feel like it, it's very similar. Um, uh, if you make one mistake with Derek Lewis, ask Curtis Blades. It is It is night-night. Yeah. So, Surreal gone for 25 minutes is going to have to not make a mistake. Uh, and he's quick enough, he's smart enough, uh, he's got the style to do it, but it's still just any mistake that he makes could be the end of the fight. So that it's very intriguing.
0: It's uh, like the, the the tagline for UFC 265 main event should be like, get ready for boring until it isn't. <laughs> right. It's boring till it's not. Right. Gone Lewis.
1: <laughs> right, man.
0: Or maybe, or maybe it just uh, you know never gets to the point that uh, I mean maybe it goes twenty five minutes and it's in uh, Ganu Lewis and then we're all just like like never like never it ne- there's yeah. never anything but right. uh, I I you know again I think Lewis is at the point now where uh, he's gonna sit back but at some point there's gonna be I I think a moment in time where he forces the issue uh, now that may mean. Successfully or unsuccessfully, but I, I don't think we're we're gonna just get through twenty five minutes where there's like never any like big pressure in the fight. So,
1: because yeah, Gons he, not gonna are,
0: pressure him. Gons gonna be in and out. You know, right, like right. He's gonna be in and out. Yeah,
1: yeah. He, so. He's already the underdog. He's already uh, no one's really expecting him to win. I mean, of course he's gonna have the fans behind him in Houston. So. If I were Derek Lewis, like why why not?
0: Man? Actually, everybody everybody there. does expect him to win. That's the thing. Like it's I've never seen. I mean, I guess maybe Conor McGregor might fit into this category, but a guy that's a plus two seventy underdog will is like like you said. What was it eighty something percent of people thought he was going right. to win the fight? Like yeah. that's yeah. that's the star power that is Derek Lewis, his personality, and being the greatest knockout artist potentially in in MMA history. So
1: yeah, man, it's. It's intriguing, man. I I just think with him uh, having all the fans behind him, just go ahead and just yeah. take a chance, man. It, it couldn't yeah. hurt. He's he's been he's been there and done it all. He's fought all the scariest guys. So if he gets knocked out, so what? At least you go out right. uh, on your shield and you're not going out like I wish I would have did this. I should have did that. Like just go out there and uh, just put on the line because the fan in me really wants to see Francis Ngannou and Derek Lewis fight again. I think we would be robbed. Uh, as fans, if we didn't see that, but um, still, Francis and Ganu versus Cyril Gan would be very intriguing. It would kind of be the same thing with uh, Cyril Gan and Derek Lewis, but um, yeah, I mean, either way that this fight goes, uh, the the potential matchup against Francis is intriguing. Either way it goes,
0: I know Gan has submission finishes. I know that uh, I know he's like I think one like with ground and pound. Um, how did he finish JDS? Do you remember? I, I'm trying to remember how he finished JDS.
1: It was a uh, elbow, and then he uh, dropped him with the elbow. And that's right. That's right.
0: Ground. But mm. like I, I and maybe it, maybe it happened early in his career. But I don't ever remember Gon landing like a big shot on somebody and dropping them.
1: No, um, no. I yeah. don't think so? so. I don't think. It, yeah, I don't think he's like knocked out anyone or like rocked anyone. Right. So,
0: yeah, so maybe you. you know this th- that that might play a role in, I mean, maybe Derek Lewis isn't scared of being knocked out. Right.
1: Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. so Gun hasn't really shown that right. he can knock anyone out. So what's the worst that could happen? For I sure. mean, if you do get knocked out. Yeah, then, no, that oh, was a great well, point. He, he, yeah. He showed me something there, but yeah, go, go right. ahead and just go in there and just see what happens, man. Yeah. If anything, you, you're the one with the, with the bigger power. So go ahead and go in there and exchange.
0: Yeah. Great point, my friend. All right, buddy, I am excited for uh, UFC 265. It is fight day. We are hours away from the early prelims, which uh, began, I believe, at 5 o'clock Oklahoma time, 7 o'clock early prelims, and uh, I believe we have a 9 o'clock main card start time, which is the most ideal situation for me. I'm I'm excited. I, I like the late main card start times. Later, the better for me.
1: Man, this this fight card, like, oh, before I, I don't think you're gonna uh, forget about this, but I I gotta ask you about the um, which fight you think is gonna be fight of the night?
0: Oh yeah yeah yeah, I was actually I I meant to ask you that, then we got caught up uh, in all this, uh, <laughs> gone Lewis talk. Um, all right, let's uh, let's see. I have a few. <laughs> I feel like Fazeev Bobby Green's gonna be good. But, like, I don't think it's going to go the distance. So it's one of those where, like, I think it'll be good until there's a finish. And I think Fazeev is going to get a finish in this fight. Um, I think sometimes when we get a really good fight that ends in a finish and doesn't go the distance, like, it's overlooked. So I'll go Munoz-Aldo for fight of the night because I think that goes the distance. But I think it's uh, Munoz by decision in a really great war.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's uh, Aldo and Munoz for fight of the night, but uh, uh, Bobby Green and Fazeev, I think uh, it has potential to be fight of the night, but yeah. like you said, how long is that going to last? And then I, I kind of think that Kies and Vicente Lucas is a sleeper. It's just, I don't really know how it's going to go, but um, I think with the contrasting styles, you you never know, it could yeah. make for a special fight, so um, but, yeah, I do think Aldo and uh, Munoz will be fight of the
0: night. You know, generally when we get fight of the nights, it's because it's two guys with similar styles, so you're able to get the best out of both guys, right? Like, Luke and Chiesa are completely different. So if this is a stand-up fight, like, is going to be way better. Right. And if this thing's on the ground, is going to be way better. So it's hard. Like, those are the ones where you have completely contrasting styles. Those are the ones that are hard to bet on being fight of the nights because... Either way, you are going to get the best out of one guy, but probably not the best out of the other guy. Um, right. Which you know, may, Song it on Casey Kinney might be uh, a contender right. for fight of the night because I think those guys, like as far as their styles, like um, I like Casey Kinney's pressure in this fight and what he can can do to win. But like, I, I think you are going to get the best out of both guys, be stylistically. Right.
1: And I guess we would be remiss if we didn't bring up Tisha Torres and Angela Hill. I mean, yeah. uh, Angela Hill has grown into a very exciting fighter. So she could turn this into a dogfight with Tisha Torres. So um, that could be a sleeper fight too.
0: All right. give me, So give me one, two, three, again, outside of the main event, because everybody always likes the main event. I like to throw that one out the window with this question. One, two, three, as far as what you think at the end of the night, when it's all said and done, the best three fights were. Uh, number one
1: is Aldo Munoz, for sure. Two, Bobby Green, three. I really want to say Kiesa and Luque, but I think I'm going to go Song Dong, Casey Kinney.
0: Okay. Uh, same for me. I'm going to go... Uh, same for me, same order. Munoz, Aldo, one. Fazeev, Green, two. Casey Kenny, Songy three. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's some good fights on the prelims, but which, which, you know, the prelims always deliver awesome matchups and awesome fights. Uh, Maybe Ed Herman, Alonzo Minifield. Yeah, that, that's
1: very intriguing because, you know, Minifield's going to start really fast. Right. And can Ed Herman, uh handle that and if he can if he's able to drag that out to the second and third rounds i think he'll have his way but yeah uh, that fight's very interesting so it, it could yeah. We'll see
0: cop osborne like if cop decides he wants to be aggressive for the first two rounds or not like it, i don't know i mean what we've he seen asked. from him so far is that he uh doesn't doesn't really uh doesn't really want to fight much until round three so I, that one i rule that one out based on just you know what we know <laughs> to this point
1: yeah, Manil Cop, He has to go out there and fight like it's it's his last because it re- it could be. Yeah, and all the signs are pointing towards it could be in his last fight, two in a row. Missed weight. He's got to go out there and throw caution to the wind. So if he does that, it may- it might be five of the night.
0: Yeah. Um. Last thing, and I'll let you run. Derek Lewis Cyril gone at the uh, weigh in. What you <laughs> think?
1: Man. I... I, f- I felt bad for surreal gone in this lead up because this is all new to him. Like the whole, um, trash talk warfare, all that stuff. This is all new to him. Like he's just going out there having a good time. Like, uh, and he gets, uh, thrown into this main event situation against a guy, Derek Lewis. This is in his hometown. So he's getting booed. And he- I'm sure he's thinking like, w- like, what what did I do to get booed? Like, I, I mean, you didn't do anything. They just like Derek Lewis. So, and then uh, the face-offs, like Derek yeah. Lewis, he's just trying to get in his face. He's trying to psych him out a little bit. And you know, I don't, I'm not gonna say Shiro Gunn looked surprised, but it just looked like he hadn't been there before. So um, yeah, Derek Lewis was just. He just seemed like he was very violent. And yeah. I just feel like Srogan is just a very nice guy. So <laughs> I just don't think all this stuff is like really made for him. But when he gets in the octagon, he's different.
0: I'll tell you, my perception was Derek Lewis, it wasn't even as much about the violence as it was like, I'm in Houston, Texas, and I'm the main event, and this is my town, and these are my people. So I need to give them somewhat of... Like, it felt more, like, showtimey yeah. to me than it did, like, I genuinely, like want to hurt this guy in the moment or I don't like him or anything like it just, it felt like it was more for the fans than anything. And on the other side, I, I felt like gone was so unbothered by it. Like, just like, okay, this yeah. is, this is hilarious. Like whatever, <laughs> like it, it, it was funny. Cause it, it, it was of anytime you have a dust up, especially with the guys that are in the main event, I think there's a lot of excitement to it, but like, after it happened, I was just like, I don't know. Like it just, of course Derek Lewis is going to do something for his hometown people. Uh, right. but you know, he never really like, I think he just did enough to get a reaction. And then gone was so unfazed by it that it was just like, okay, that's it. right. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. Gone wasn't really phased by it, but you can just see, you could tell like this was all new to him. Like this is a new experience that he, that this is uh yeah. he's, he's experienced for the first time. So, yep.
0: All right, my friend, that is it. Uh, Happy fight night! I will uh, certainly be texting you, and uh, best of luck across the board, except for the uh, the Luke and the Munoz fights.
1: I feel really bad that uh, you're gonna have to be disappointed by this uh, Munoz loss. So, <laughs> I mean, I hope you don't take it too hard because <laughs> you know, last time you were very you were very happy to lose some points because I picked Munoz, and you were very happy yeah. to be on the uh, wrong side. So this time, now that you've picked him, I just hope you know I'm going for Aldo, and I'm sorry that this has to be this way. Yeah. <laughs> but.
0: Here's you know what though, at the end of the day, the reason I like Pedro Munoz so much is because every time he fights, his style gives us a great fight. Like he he, if he's in the octagon, he's gonna force the fight to be a fun fight. So right. Again, that it's it's not even as much about winning and losing as. I just like the guy in the octagon because he forces the issue. He forces the other guy to have to like to throw back, and it, it just gives us amazing television.
1: Yeah, and and he's got a great dance partner in Aldo, man. That fight's going to be fun by yep. the night, man, for sure.
0: All right, brother, take care, and we will uh, do it again next week.
1: Yes, sir. Have a good one, man. It's is over